Go for Leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. Hello and welcome for today's Go for Leadership podcast. My guest today is Daniel Friedman. Go for Leadership interviews. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome. Daniel, like always, we ask our guests to give uh, us a 30, uh, 30 seconds glimpse or introduction of themselves. Yeah, sure. Yeah, my name is Daniel Friedman. I'm working at Bosch Power Tools, and I've been part of a large transformation of the whole Power Tools uh, division. I, I was guiding the transformation of one of the business units as an agile coach with a coaching team, and we're implementing there an agile scale framework. And in the meanwhile, I'm still working as an agile coach, but besides that, I'm also freelancing and supporting also other companies with my learning, so to say, I gained through the transformation at Bosch Power Tools and support especially management teams to encounter agile working and to live up to the principles they are preaching, more or less. <laughs> I, I like that last statement, Daniel. So, uh, I mean, in this regards, of course, it, it is for me uh, quite relevant and important to understand what is for you leadership or the, what, what does leadership mean to you in order to get a better understanding? Mm. Um, yeah, I think leadership uh, changed a lot or the, the meaning of leadership, especially when you work in an agile environment. And I think there are a lot of trainings and leadership principles defined around agile working or agile leadership. I think the, the, the most important thing is a clear behavioral change when you're a leader coming from a very transactional leadership style, which is quite common in normal larger corporations. There's an extreme change required, especially in mindset, but also really which methodologies you're using. And leadership is not only like acting like a servant leader and being a little bit more open for feedback. For me, it also means that you're really very disciplined in applying the agile methods, which maybe probably are also used on working level. And I think most leaders miss that fact. They um, bring down agile working to a mindset topic, but not really like an operational daily working topic. And I think new leadership is, is like a sport that has to be trained on all levels, especially also management has to change a lot and train in a very disciplined way, the new ways of working. And that comes down to clear methodologies which are available. It's probably not Scrum, but other more agile or more management uh, uh, tools. Um, yeah, but leadership for me is really something that has to be completely newly interpreted currently. I, I like that. And I think um, I, I want to in, uh, start, let get, let's get started, let's say, with, with the statement of your introduction um, that uh, leaders many times break the rules of maybe new methods. Maybe you can give us a glimpse on, on why you have made that statement and what, uh, mm. what makes you believe, let's say, that there are so many uh, leaders out there that, that are breaking the rules and not following, let's say, what they should may do. I think it's maybe, I don't want to do any management bashing here, but it's an observation I did in a couple of, of companies now. And um, I think the, the, the leadership teams oftentimes have a very good intention. They kick off an agile transformation. Maybe after they have been on a zoo tour in Silicon Valley, they have seen some cool startups in the States, which are already uh, agile organizations and working as a whole organization in an agile way. They are enthusiastic and bring this message back home to their companies and start this transformation. Um, and I think there's a big misconception because what happens most of the time, they kick off this transformation 
and expect that the working level starts working with agile tools and they can, can observe it like an experiment from an ivory tower. Yeah. And um, yeah, most of the time it, it, their involvement is just reduced to some inspirational speeches. They motivate the organization to go into this direction because there's a VUCA world outside, a lot of disruptive competition happening. Maybe in 10 years, we're eaten up by some startups. And then they watch this experiment on working level and want to assess if it's successful or not. But they miss the fact that this self-organized, empowered teams on working level can only be successful if they are also guided and lead, led in the right way by the leadership team. Mm -hmm. And that's only possible when also leadership changes tremendously the way they are leading the, the organization. Um, and uh, normal management teams, most of the times, do what they did before. They define their strategies in glossy PowerPoint slides with uh, great visions. But those PowerPoint slides uh, stay too vague and too high fly to really give the guidance to the self-organized teams on working level. Which leads to the fact that most of the self-organized teams at some point lose track. They do something in a self-organized way and run off topic so that the top management has to intervene and micromanage again. And this kills this agile idea right in the beginning. Yeah? So it's a contradiction in itself that self-organized teams suddenly are overruled again by top management, which is micromanaging. And this oftentimes kills this agile pilot uh, projects right in the beginning. And for a lot of organization, it's then a proof that agile working is not uh, fitting to their organization which is a complete wrong interpretation, I would say. They just didn't start doing it right because management was probably not really providing the right corridor, the right alignment for the self-organized teams. And this comes down to my introductory statement. Um, management has to really also learn to work in an agile way and eat their own dog food, if you will. Yeah. And uh, in my work as a coach, I always start top-down um, in this transformation to coach, especially the executive teams, the management or the C-suite, if you will, and hammer them with the agile principles and agile working methods. So they apply it first, act as a role model, and then the organization can really recognize changes in their behavior and feel that they are more empowered, that there's a kind of trust uh, which is given to them by the management teams while there's still a very clear alignment, what they are supposed to do, what are the expected results. And in this combination, giving this autonomy on the one hand side, but also giving the alignment, uh, a leadership team can provide the right context that self-organized teams can really excel and, and deliver the results which are expected. I, I like your, your statement you made that it's not wrongly intended, but it's maybe just wrongly executed, like, like you also outlined very well. Um, I'm questioning myself, do you think that has to do more on, a, on, the, on the mindset side or is this root cause more to find on the, on the let's say, method skills that maybe are not really there? Because I, I, I have been part of such a journey going, going mm -hmm. let's say, um, to San Francisco, seeing a, a fancy startup <laughs> and say, wow, that's, that's bam, that, that's fantastic. Let's, let's go there. Let's do and copy that. But of course, it's it's not also just the right statement to copy it, right? It, it's your own, the own mm. needs, what is required for from an organization perspective. But I'm asking myself, has it to do with the mindset or maybe just also with the skills and the method skills that, that mm. are required to do it the right way? 
Uh, that's a fantastic question. And um, I, I have a very bold statement or answer to that one, and I'm very black and white. But um, for me, mindset and uh, the other topic, applying the right skills and methodologies, goes hand in hand. It's two things you can't uh, deal with in a separate way. And, but this is a mistake a lot of companies do. Well, I also have been part of a lot of uh, leadership trainings and leadership, agile leadership principles, with, which have been promoted throughout the organization I'm working in. And these are fantastic workshops or offsite seminars you do, and you are motivated and inspired by uh, Daniel Pink and Simon, uh, Simon Sinek uh, videos yeah, when they talk about the golden circle and, and that kind of things. But when you go back home uh, or when you go back to work on the next working day, you are again soaked up by your normal daily work and you forget about all what you've learned. And it's not just that you forget it, you're just not able to make this transfer in your actual operational working every day. It's so tough to act really upon those principles. Yeah? And it's also something I, I not recognized uh, in, my, in, my, in my own work, but I, see, I saw that a lot with, with all other colleagues um, that actually intended to do something different, but in the end, they swapped back to their old traditional behavior. So my take on that one is also management needs extreme strict coaching. And this is something I see very seldomly. You see a lot of agile coaches and organizations which are dealing with the teams. You see a very few top management coaches which can really coach on eye level top managers in the C-suite. Because coaching is also really being strict and slapping fingers and having the mandate to, to, to slap the fingers of somebody and really enforce a behavioral change. And that's exactly what you said. It has to do with the skills you have to be trained in. It has to do with the methodologies you have to be very strict about. You should really follow the book in the beginning and learn it. And there a coach has to supervise you and really enforce this new behavior and show you in a daily situation how you now could act in a new way. And this leads then to an experience you have where you say, wow, with this behavioral change, this feels actually quite good to me. I recognize if I give more leeway to my team, uh, they suddenly take on the responsibility. They come up with own solutions. They deliver the results I expect without telling them what they exactly have to do, this kind of things. And with these experiences, suddenly a mindset change happens in the leader's mind, so to say. And if a couple of leaders are changing their mindset, suddenly the culture changes. Yeah? So for me, there's a clear causality. You can't just train a mindset and besides of that, train a little bit methods. It's a clear uh, link. You have to first learn what to do and act up upon the new principles. And then slowly your mindset changes as well. But there's a first and a second step in that one. You can't do this in parallel or completely separate. I, I, I totally agree. Um, you also mentioned that it's a sport. And I think that goes along with, with the statement you made that you need to have a coach, a trainer, supervisor, let's say, that mm. always put the salt on the wound to say, <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's yeah. not the right thing you should do now. Um, <laughs> but I think there's also a lot of fear and uncertainty, right? A, a change, we are human beings. Change is not, I mean, there's, I would say, nobody out there that loves uh, change per se. So how mm. do you... Um, argue in, or in your work how, how do you overcome that that fear of change and that the people really are open for that journey let's say mm -hmm. a journey that also hurts i mean uh, it's yeah. it's it's of course often uh, in particular in, in c-suite uh, um, leadership teams uh, hard to um, um let's say 
to, to put the, the salt on the wound and say, no, it's not the right yeah. way. Like you said, you need somebody on eye level to give that feedback yeah. and also people that accept and are open for, for the feedback. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you mentioned a very important point. There's a kind of anxiety of, of uh, certain target groups or, or groups in the organization when, when it comes to agile and to these behavioral changes I mentioned. And um, I think especially middle management, top management fears this behavioral change or this agile working, which oftentimes goes along with flatter or reduced hierarchies with um, less disciplinary reporting lines, less status symbols. Yeah, a lot of exactly. organizations like also Bosch um, eliminated all the offices. You don't have this typical offices of your boss. You have to go to everybody sitting in an open floor and there's an open floor policy. You, you don't even have a dedicated working space. And there's a lot of um, fear and skepticism around all those topics because people in a, in a typical corporation, they earn the status symbols throughout their career. So uh, by each hierarchy level, they, they gain, they get something on top. You get a company car, you get your own office, you get your secretary whatsoever. And if you take all that away, it's quite obvious that a lot of people are kind of yeah, at, at least surprised um, how, how they now should, how their work, how their position should be appreciated. And that's kind of, it's sometimes even, even justified this fear because a lot of top managers are rather administrators, but not experts in what they're doing. Absolutely. And expert, I don't mean that you have to have a very big functional depth, but at least you have to have a breadth of knowledge. If you want to steer a, a certain area or, or, or department, maybe a cross-functional team, you at least have to have a good overview and the seniority to understand what's going on. And a lot of leaders suddenly recognize, wow, now that I'm not the, the transactional leader anymore who's just administrating the work and micromanaging here and there, what's my role now? And then you, you have a, a change from a power hierarchy to a competence hierarchy, mm -hmm. how I call it. I and suddenly it. leaders have to ask themselves, wow, what's my competence? What's my justification that I'm earning, earning double the money like others? And uh, there's kind of also a transparency suddenly that what is this leader actually doing? Which, which value add does he give in discussions, uh, in, in escalations? Is he really a strong leader? Can he inspire and motivate team to, 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 to strive for a joint target or vision? Yeah? So there, there are a couple of leadership skills suddenly emphasized and much more important that were probably not even uh, relevant in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the state or current state. And uh, for maybe just a, a small uh, excursus in my, in my personal experiences, when we started um, as an Agile team, I was a normal project manager. I had a cross-functional team. We should uh, try out Agile working in hardware development. And uh, we recognized quite quickly after two, three weeks that we can't do this just with a two-day training on Agile and design thinking. That's something you have to really learn on a daily basis. So the, the first good decisions we as a team made, we hired a coach. And this coach was so strict, we actually really didn't like him. It was a very good coach. We didn't like him. He was giving us a tough time. Yeah? It's like when you go to a fitness gym, you want a coach who's kind of drilling you to do one exactly. more exercise and not be, be very friendly to you and say, hey, great, you're, you're, you're perfect. <laughs> it was, but it was tough. It was tough to have somebody supervising you on a daily level, giving you feedback all the time. 
And this also led to the fact that my team was also complaining after a short while. They said, hey, Daniel, this, this, this coach doesn't fit to us. He doesn't understand how we are working in our company. And I said, ah, let's go on. I mean, let's put this pressure on us uh, and you as a team. So I want you to change. But then on a certain day, it suddenly also got tough for me because this coach said, now we're going to uh, push the king off the throne. Mm-hmm. We're going to distribute the power of Daniel to all the other teammates. Yeah. And I remember that that I was also going home that night to my wife and said also at the evening uh, at our dinner table, uh, I'm not sure if this agile thing is really good for my career now because it really really felt like falling down without any 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 uh, uh, security fence or something. Um, so I can com- completely sympathize with leaders that are going into the direction and I was being forced to, to go in this direction. I, there was no way back for me. I, I was stuck in this agile pilot team. So everybody was looking at me acting agile. If there was not this high uh, attention at that point, I can imagine I would probably also would have swapped back to my old behavior and kind of pretended to work agile, but not really acting on the, on the principles. And the good thing was this coach was pushing us and also forcing me to change behavior. And it took us probably three months. We went through four or five sprints and then suddenly our, our behavior changed. We recognized that this agile working was really adding benefits. Our work became more transparent. We were re- reducing waste. We, beca- we became intrinsically motivated but just by seeing the progress of our work very transparently. And also then when I when the coach pulled back and I was not jumping back into my, my classical leadership behavior anymore, suddenly the team really started to work self-organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they started to really um, more or less um, get into this flow and this was for me the, the biggest aha effect um, that it's really working. And I could really now uh, find this new role as an agile leader without uh, pushing the team all the time and micromanaging. And um, it was a long story made short, uh, completely right. <laughs> um, it's extremely tough for management to go in this direction. And it comes down to really being very disciplined in, in the agile methodologies, which are suitable to the C-suite or management but then really being coached and really being forced to do it right. And then after a while you've learned it and then you can do it on your own. I, I very like that story that you shared because it, it so, uh, it so uh, directly shows um, what happens with, with all of us. And I think every leader listening to the podcast can ask himself if he would react the same way you did to say, well, mm-hmm. let's, let's continue. Even it may mean that I lose my, let's say, leadership leadership position and um, like you also mentioned very well I guess uh, is that uh, change hurts it needs to hurt mm-hmm. so that you really uh, start to change mm-hmm. otherwise uh, I mean uh, I always also compared with, with stop smoking I mean mm-hmm. the, the first the first weeks of, of, of stop smoking is, is hurting mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't make fun of course um, and um, and uh, I think only after having surpassed this this phase of uh, it hurts, it, it doesn't make fun, and uh, and to keep going um, uh, is on all these change process. I think a very important phase. Yeah, and I think to add some more complexity, I mean, we've now talked about the single individual's feelings, like mm-hmm. the teammates that certainly have some experiences, the leaders themselves. It gets even more complex when you look into the combination of both. And that's also kind of an interesting observation I did. 
um, there are different constellations of leaders and teams in this transformation. And I perceive or observe different paces of um, adaptation to this to this new leadership style or new working style. Yeah, some leaders are quite eager. They start uh, to, to adapt to this agile leadership roles. But on the other hand, it can be that the team is not really uh, going into this agile direction. Probably they're quite fine being micromanaged. So they actually don't want to don't want to be responsible or take charge for anything. And uh, in, in this case, there's kind of like a, a power vacuum which, which is happening. This leader is kind of going in the servant leadership style and is rather providing inspirational vision, but it's not micromanaging any, uh, anymore. And teams, if they are not then really catching up and, and taking over this responsibility, can completely fall into anarchy. And something what can, can happen then, either the, the team leader goes back to this transactional leadership style and starts micromanaging again to avoid the team from, from having a lower performance. Or what also sometimes happens, if the leader is, is um, really ambitious and, and tries to push further in the agile direction, I've seen sometimes in the team, suddenly somebody stepping in the first row and acting as the new informal leader. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the case, maybe somebody is quite ambitious and wants anyway to take the, the next role. And uh, uh, in this situation, you also then really have to intervene uh, because the leader in the end will be completely irrelevant and the team will be managed by somebody else. But it can also be the way around that uh, the leader is actually maybe not uh, adapting to the leadership style and the team is much more ambitious and wants to work agile. And there you have the same thing. It's like a, a, a culture clash you have yeah, where, where the team is kind of working self-organized and doesn't want to be micromanaged uh, anymore. But the leader on the other end is pushing for his command and control. And there's also a lot of friction happening. And I think in this complexity, it becomes really interesting when you look into a whole organization, because <laughs> then you have different angles of, of anxieties and, and frictions you have to, to then mediate as a coach. And um, I think this is then also when you look, especially in, in more uh, scaled frameworks where multiple levels in an organization are supposed to work agile, where you really have to be cautious to have enough coaching capacity to then really also mediate and escalate these this different frictions which are happening on all levels. That can be quite a cumbersome start in the beginning. I, I, I very like um, the, the observation and I, I, I feel so much connected with, with what you mentioned uh, because, okay. uh, I mean, there are of course many, many uh, team members would call, yes, uh, we love it. Uh, well, let's, let's show that uh, leaders are not required, but it means also that there are, uh, let's say it's uh, like, uh, um, so it, there's also a change in, in power. So it means the mm. power goes, uh, and it also means that um, uh, that you as a team member also need to um, behave and react according to the power that has given to you. So right. when you start, let's say, your consulting or coaching projects, how do you, let's say, check or how do you take also the whole team with, with that, within that journey, which is always difficult, right? I mean, not, let's not talk about the whole organization, but let's start with a team. I, yeah. I, I've seen that also quite difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are different, different ways to approach this. And I think this is, you have to do this very situational depending on the, on the context. Um, 
I think that the, the, the biggest mistake you need to avoid is kind of this agile theater where everybody is, where it's looking like everybody's working agile. Everybody <laughs> suddenly putting post-its on the wall and you have like stand-up meetings and, and people call themselves product owners and everybody's wearing sneakers and, and uh, talking to everybody in a first name. Yeah. Um, but when you when you scratch a little bit on the surface, you see wow, actually nobody is, is changing anything on their on their working style. The leaders are doing exactly the same like before. They're micromanaging and exactly assigning tasks to people, and people are executing those. Yeah, this this is also something. The agile framework itself doesn't really change how people are working. There's a couple of things you have to do more. That's exactly what your what your question was targeting to. And um, what, what helps a lot is to, to come up really with a very, very clear role definition and kind of like a governance list, which is extreme clearly defining the new roles. The biggest mistake you can do is like putting, putting people with their existing roles into an agile team and expect that this will work. Because like you said, there's a couple of things people suddenly have to do in a different way. And I think it, in the end, it comes down to, to be very transparent and clear and you can define those new roles and governance together with a team, but you have to have a contracting more or less and the commitment that this is what they wanna do. And everybody is really 100% convinced that we wanna try this out at least. And what I've done a couple of times before we actually go into, into daily working with this framework that I start role-playing these roles. So I, I do like staged stand-ups and where I do exaggerated role plays, where I do like escalation topics or something like this, where I force these different roles to act upon what they are now supposed to do, to, to show them how the extreme situations can look like. And maybe I'm, I'm then also taking one of the roles and, and challenging a little bit uh, one or the other. But not to 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 maybe create an uncomfortable situation, but really show people what they are now supposed to do. And I think it's much more easy for people to imitate a certain behavior when they have seen how it's supposed to be, than just reading it through theoretically, understanding it, but having then struggles to to really act upon the, those new rules in, in their daily life. And I think these role plays are a nice, playful thing you can do in a, in a kind of workshop style. But then in daily life, you definitely need also the, the coaching or supervision from a corner where a coach can then also support one or the other in his or her role to, to really live up to the new principles. And uh, this is, I, again, you, we had this analogy with sport. This is something you have to train. <laughs> yeah, It's like going to the gym. Uh, if you want to have a six, uh, six pack, you have to go for half a year to the gym and do very, very uh, strict exercises uh, and go beyond uh, your, your, uh, your pain, more or less. And it's exactly the same with, with this roles. You have to train it. You have to be disciplined. In the beginning, it's hurting. After a while, you see your first results. You probably get motivated by that, and then, then you go further. And that's exactly the same flow, how, how coaching works in this manner. So I'm asking myself, um, is there maybe something also where we should start before people go into such roles and positions? So meaning already at university level or school level to train mm -hmm. people those methods? Because, I mean, we know it from ourselves, right? The later uh, in the maturity or age level we are, the, the harder it gets really to change. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, And I mean, at university, at least if I remember back, uh, you get trained, let's say the classical, classical management methods, right? Um, 
Um, so do you think there should be also some some change happening there? Mm. I mean, it definitely makes sense to to train certain methodologies, but um, again, I said this before. I don't think that you can train a certain behavior or, or mm -hmm. mindset. So knowing about those new leadership styles or this new methodology certainly helps. It probably creates a certain openness to try it out. But to be very frank, when I, when I trained teams in working agile, the youngsters, the, 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 the younger colleagues, the hipsters in the team who looked like, wow, those will be agile right away, this had the, those had the most problems. Mm -hmm. Not because they were not open to do it, but they were just too inexperienced. They were just too young and too, they were such greenhorns. They were not able to take over the res responsibility and take charge. They would, would have liked to do it. Uh -huh. um, but you recognize quite quickly, wow, those guys have to stay in a second row. If you want to have a self-organized team, you need an expert team. You need experienced people who are able to take over responsibility. Uh -huh. And that's quite nice because I had a lot of teams where you thought in the beginning, wow, those old guys there, they look really like they have worked in a corporation like like 30 years, you won't change their mindset uh, in any way. And those were the guys who picked up Agile quite quickly because they appreciated that they suddenly could, could decide things. They were experts in their field of function. And um, they appreciate this new way of working because they were completely comfortable to take decisions because they had this big uh, experience just from, from the, the, the years in their position. And this was quite nicely to see that this image of Agile, which is kind of looking like the new hipster thing in companies and everybody's wearing sneakers, <laughs> if you really boil it down to the essence, it's about giving the experts who have been in the company for 30 years, giving them the leeway to do what's right. Yeah, <laughs> this was a quite nice twist. Um, also in the acceptance of Agile working, because if you don't call it Agile or Scrum or whatsoever anymore, it's more or less giving the people who know exactly what to do the right and the mandate to do that. And the trust more or less to act as experts. And I like that much more. And when you, when you start introducing Agile to a company, which is probably a little bit skeptic, I like to bring it down to this essence and explain people what it's actually about. And I think this is also something which is quite important to motivate people then uh, in the existing uh, uh, personnel to try it out. And um, I think in, in most of the cases, if they, they jump into cold water, I've actually seen that everybody was completely enthusiastic because they experience really what they actually want to do. Right? Mm -hmm. So nobody wants, everybody wants to be appreciated for what they know and what they can do. I think this is a very important statement, right? That that you need to be really a, a solid expert to really, let's say, make use of the power that has given to you uh, to make the right decisions and make the right moves. Now, um, uh, coming back to the topic of, let's say, uh, the journey or development of, of individuals, if you look back uh, at your journey, um, when you have started your career, what would have been the, the advice that you would have give uh, the younger Daniel uh, starting mm -hmm. his leadership career? Yeah, that's a very good question. And um, I, I was thinking about this a little bit. You told me you're going to ask these questions. I don't have a perfect answer to that. So I still kind <laughs> of now in freestyle mode. But I think that's good. That's what it's supposed to be. To be very honest, I mean, when you're still working in a corporation, there are still kind of rules you can't change how to climb up a career ladder. This depends on certain things. And 
I mean, I worked most of the of my my working life in in in, in kind of that organizations, and at a certain point, you get brainwashed. You start following those rules. You have to have a sponsor. You have to have this and that functions or job rotations done that you can go up the career ladder. So you try you kind of follow this blueprint which is given to you to have a career in such a corporation. And I followed that. I was quite successful. I was climbing up or still climbing up the ladder. But um, now looking back, I see that I did some things which I was forced to do, which brought me up the career ladder, but which were probably not really my strength or my fields where I'm really, where, where I really have competences or talents. And if I was younger, I would definitely encourage myself to look much more to work in fields which I really want to work in, where I see my talent being on a fruitful ground, not, not just appreciated, but really something where, where my, my talents are needed. And not just doing that, what you need to do to climb up the career ladder. So it's probably quite quite simple recommendation, but I see this now. I'm now uh, slightly above 40, and you ask yourself then as well, okay, you can go this track further, or do you now want to change something? And I'm definitely on the second point that I, I want to change something. It's not about climbing up the career ladder, career ladder. It's about doing something meaningful to yourself. I don't want to call the word purpose now, but you can only be good if you do something that you really like. And I think in every organization, especially when it's opening up to agile working, these opportunities get bigger and bigger. And if I would have known that I'm working in Dutch environment when I'm 40, I would have not given a about <laughs> following those <laughs> rules, but really been much more bolder in doing things that I wanted to do. And maybe would have been exactly the same place like I'm now. Yeah? So don't be too, yeah, too, too humble to just being pushed around and do what the people expect from you. Also be quite bold and ask for things you want to do. Go for Leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. I love it, Daniel. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Welcome. Had a lot of fun. Thank you, Daniel. Go for Leadership, the podcast.